From Sandwich Community TV, I'm Manx Techie Magyar, and this is Blindside. The entire audio interviews that I've cut to make my short form video documentaries. In the winter of 2019, myself and Payson Tickham spoke with his grandparents, Ralph and Nancy Tickham, about growing up through World War II era of America. The Tickhams are the owners and the originators of Tickham's Bookshop in East Sandwich. So, um, all right. Yeah, I guess if you wanted to just start talking about um, your, I guess World War II was, you know, it was a decent amount of time, but I guess where you guys were basically where you were during that time period. Yeah. How old you were and what were you doing? Bit, My God, you speaking of that, yeah, 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 I've got to figure out where, how old I was. Yeah. Well, you left high school to go. Yeah, in my senior year. In your senior year, so you were 18. I guess that was it. Yeah. yeah. 18 at what, and what year in time? 1940, uh, uh, was it five or six? I didn't know you, so I don't know. <laughs> no, I know. Um, well, what was your, what? Well, what? 1945 was when I was supposed to graduate. So that's when you left. Yeah. I left before I graduated. And it, you left to go where? Well, I I have an unusual. I wanted to go to sea, and so I wanted to join, uh, get in the navy. In fact, the navy was interested in me for uh, the radar. Uh, radio school. Yeah. Well, no, not radio school. No more on the on the. Um, Did they recruit you in high school? Like uh, they were looking for people while you uh, were in high school. I'm not sure what I mean. Because I I think I no I'm not sure. Had someone else gone? Is that how did you happen to be interested in going? Well, through a lot of different steps. Well, the war was on. The yeah. war was still on, yeah. And everybody then. was very hyper. Yeah, so that was just something that and, everybody was doing. And, and then, I, well, anyway, you know, and when I was on, I got onto the radio school, and that that lasts for almost a, well, a, quite a few months. It's, would, I think it'd be best if you would start back. Why you went to radio school? You tried to enlist in the navy. Well, that, well, that's true. I tried to, yeah, and I'm colorblind, and they can't be, use me. Because you're colorblind, they, you couldn't be into it? Right. Yeah. Wow. Because yeah. they use signal flags, oh, and right. so you, they wouldn't yeah. accept. But I did the, the maritime. They liked it. In fact, I went into that and took... Um, Training there on on just training as a as a maritime sailor. You got me confused. Well, anyway, then then it came up on the because of some of the training or exam uh, exams I gave you, uh, they thought that I would be interested in radio school. So they kind of suggested that one yeah. way or another. Yeah. Yeah. And you went you went from applying to the Navy, being denied into the Navy, and then you went into radio school instead. Well, yeah, I was in the maritime service. Sorry, Pri prior yeah. to that. Yeah. And then uh, 
Yeah, so you went to radio school, and this is the place that was on an island. Yeah, on, outside of Boston. It's a great one. Yeah, in yeah. the harbor. Yeah. And it's outside of the. It was outside of the. Uh, Boston Harbor was protected by. Uh, well, there are many islands out of Boston Harbor. Yeah, but they they had a, a section where that they could lock up Boston Harbor that a ship could not get in. That's oh yeah. And we we actually the radio school was outside of the. Uh, was it a net? It was a net. Because of submarines coming in. Hmm. Really? Yeah. It had a net out all outside yeah. of Boston. Yeah. It was a nice a nice area. So it was it was. And they they swing it open, and when they need, needed for our own ships to come and go, it was Gallup's Island. Yeah, Gallup. Okay. Yeah. And then, so how long were you on uh, Gallup's doing the radio school? You said a couple, uh, just a couple months. Oh no, no, it was probably being more to, more like maybe six months. It's, uh, I can't, I can't do it easy to. Wow. Too easy to tell you how long it was, but it was quite a while. And we had classes for a long time, and also then was uh, received uh, training on the uh, what do you call it when you're when you're talking on the radio? It, it's uh, Morse code. Morse code. Oh yeah. Yeah, and we worked on that for a long time. No problem with that. I mean, I. I I got it, and it was fine. Hmm. And you liked, and you always said you liked Gallops, right? That was a good time. Oh my lord, I had a wonderful time. We had on the weekends we could go back, we'd go into Boston, and uh, yeah. <laughs> and that was big city. Yeah, yeah, right. Yes, it for, was. From, oh yeah, from Aristic County. Yeah, because yeah, of course you guys are both from Maine. And it, this is this was the war was still going on. So that had to have been before 1944. The war was over in... 45, 46, yeah. 45, yeah. Officially in 45, I guess. I don't know. Well, so, yeah, I should ask that too for, uh, for the cameras. Where are you guys yeah. from in Maine, if you could say both? Yeah, Holton is my town, uh, right, uh, town. I'm from and Portland. Yeah. Portland area. Yeah. yeah. Both the... Portland and Buxton. Right. And yeah, coming from Holton, which is way northern. Yeah, it was way northern. Yeah. Right. So yeah, Boston was definitely the big city. You, well, even for Portland. You guys were from Connecticut? We lived in Connecticut oh. before we moved here. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's where it was. That's yeah. where you guys were connected. Okay. Yeah. So you left the radio school uh, after your, whatever you were done. After you left the radio I really, school. No, I really didn't get done. At, uh, what happened was the, the end of the European war had stopped and the, the Japanese war was still going on, but uh, they closed down the Boston school and they shipped us down to uh, New York for the same thing, same school, to finish our training. And in the end, did you finish it? No. You didn't. No, I didn't. Because you got, because you got called in, or why? Well, the the government actually said, "Hey, we don't need it anymore. 
people on the radio because once the war gets over, normally during the war, three operators were on the ship because you had to have the radio operators all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, that ended up, they didn't need it that way. Now, in, in my particular case is, they said, okay, so you're not gonna finish up your training and licensing. Well, I had already passed some of the uh, licensing of, of the operate, operating, and I did have it. And I had, I had the license to operate. Mm -hmm. But that was that was the government, not not necessarily the tr the training. Okay. <laughs> oh Lord. Well, anyway, one of the instructors of the school was still there in New York, and they and I he saw me and he wanted to know what you what happened and I told him, and he said, "Well, I'm going to send you." down to Panama and I know the officer down there and they can hold you and you can, you've got your license. Even though I didn't really have all the training, I had the license. But uh, he said... Uh, so this is at the very end of the war. Oh yes, the, 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 war. the war. You're in New York and this guy was sending you down. And then, and then I actually, actually, I think at the when when I actually went down to Panama, uh, no, that wasn't quite the end of uh, World War II, but it was damn close. You might as well say it, World War II ended too. But uh, they said, we'll hold you when we get there. And he said, I'm going to hold you until we can get you onto our ship. And uh, where they need an operator on. And fine, that's accepted. But they said, <coughs> well, as far as they were concerned, but they were, they were wrong. The ship was going to have three operators, which is normal in during, during the war. Well, so they took me down, they gave me some clothes that I needed to get on the ship. They took me out on the ship that was anchored in the harbor down there, and they took me out of the ship and put me on the ship. I got on the ship and they started to... Pull out? Away. Well, they did not pull away quite away. No, not, not... Well, yes, they probably were. But they introduced me to all the, sh the de ship, deck, and engine room. Well, by that time, and oh, and I started to meet some of them, and then I said, uh, "Well, where are the radio operators?" And they said, "There's only one. You're it." They, when they put me on, they said, "Don't worry about it because they'll help you." And, and this is your eighteen or nineteen? Uh, eighteen. And by that time, they pulled anchors, and we were heading towards Europe. I was scared to death uh, because of that. Well, and you, you end up Be getting into some weather, right? 
you ended up getting well yes and then so it's, it's we went across and we didn't have any problem and and I, oh i was finally i was able to work the radio for all the radio coming in and i i could i i could take the code and do all that but then i found out that the transmitter didn't work i think that's why they needed an operator then it in panama he got off and i got on so you had an incoming signal, but you had no outgoing signal. Right, I had no outgoing yeah. Then the captain said, oh, that's fine, we'll do it fine. Well, I was in. But everything went fine, and I was getting messages coming in, because I could, I could pick them up, yeah. but I couldn't send anything out. Well, I thought at one point you had gotten into some weather on that trip, too. I, well, that's where the worst part came. Uh, when we were about 500 miles off uh, Spain, uh, we came out into a storm. I mean, it was a hell of a storm. We, we lost, we had, four, we had four lifeboats. Four of them were damaged by the, the, the sea. Uh, I thought and you, you lost? I thought you lost them. Well, I guess they were lost, I think. I don't think we, I, I don't know whether they dumped them or not, but they were smashed up. Uh, yeah, so I want to pick it up again. Yeah, but, you're, you were in that weather. Oh, yeah, I was in the weather, and I was listening to it. I could receive all the information on the storm. Uh, anyway, some point you were looking to send yeah. a message out right? yeah well yeah now now at this point too we had damage to the lifeboats and then there was some damage to the ship itself and, uh, and the captain must have said something to well you. he said eventually he said that uh, well <laughs> He was going to send out a uh, message. May Day. Yeah, well, it was a May Day, and also to let them know that we needed help, and we wanted to know what other operator ships are around us in case the ship goes, you know, goes down. And they said, I said, I can't tell, operate the radio to do it. And this is to the captain. Yeah, and he said. You better not say much. Yeah, he. Can you describe the storm a little bit? I sure as hell can. The storm, the waves were. On that ship, we, every wave, we dove into the bottom, you know, as you were going to it. And the sh ship came over like that. And they, you had, they had to pull back on the. On the on the throttle, they had to have somebody on there changing the power on the really? yeah Just during so the, they didn't dive right and get on in there, and uh, that went on. And then well, there was some damage done uh, uh, to some of the uh, 
well, the, the structure of the ship. Yeah. Yeah, and that's when they're worried. They're, they're worried, and so am I. And the and the and the captain up until that point had no idea that that he couldn't send. Oh no, he knew. Oh. He knew. Then he then he put and then and then in fact he thought he was going to get the information out at that time. And I said, no, we can't. I can't get the I can't get the uh, the transmitter to work. And he said, for God's sakes, don't say anything. I, I thought he told you to shut yourself in your room and not tell anyone. Well, yes, at that time, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, I still had to go down to the, the dining room and get uh, have dinner when, when they started to feed us. Oh, because again. he was worried that people were going to be angry at you to get the damn I, I don't know. Well, no, I don't know. Wow. But that so was that it. Was well, awful. yeah. Then, yes, it was terrible. Well, anyway, just to, just to finish it up on 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 this, um, we came out of the storm and we came into. Oh, I can tell. I should be able to tell you the island that that I came to, but we came to the south shore of the. On the the Harve. Hmm. You came into it was the, out, uh, the Harve. Well, it was. No, no, no. We are on the English side. We 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 came to the English border, and then they said, "Well, we'll wait until night, I guess, again, and then we'll go over and cross the channel." Channel. Uh, I guess that was it. Anyway, we pulled in to La Havre. We anchored on in La Havre. Uh, Harbor uh, to waiting for us to get into to unload, and while we were sitting there, a ship right next to us, some explosives came down and uh, sank the ship that was anchored in next to us. Was this a Liberty oh ship? Wow. Yeah, this uh, no, ours was an English ship. An English ship. Yeah. Who's who's explosives? Well, it was they were they were they Mines. were floating. Torpedoes. They'd been Mines. you know they were these were things that were oh. you know and they had they had been cut up and then this one was floating. They didn't get it and it came in and it sank a ship that was anchored next to us that night. But uh, anyway, we were fine. We went into the harbors uh, of La Havre and uh, they tied us up. Enough till the, we till we could uh, unload some of the ship, and the, our load was loaded up, overloaded really. So they unloaded loaded about unloaded about half of the of the ship. And then what we did, we went up the the, the uh, what's the uh, the French River that, that comes out of Paris. Uh, and it goes down to the Seine. Seine, yeah. is it? Seine, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, they had, they had that. So we went up the Seine River, and I, I loved it. It was it was great, scenic uh, going up, and we tied up at. Uh, it was the city that. Uh, that was the place. Oh. I wish I could. I don't have a, a 
map. Yeah, maybe I've got it here. What? The book he wrote quite a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I yeah. About that, yeah. Well, don't spoil it. Well, no, I ha here we go. Oh, no, we're not. Anyway, we went up, to, I'm trying to get up the same river. Okay, well, I guess that's it. Hi, Ellie. Did the phone was... Uh, Which phone was ringing here? It's a long time. I'm well, but that was, your, that was most of your war. That was like most of the, what you did in uh, your participation in the military, right? After that. Well, yes, except, yeah. But they weren't going to dump me. Uh, what what they did, the, the, uh, the captain went to another ship and asked if he could come over and the other radio operator from them and see if they could work on it. They did. It took them three days to repair the uh, that. And then finally we had radio use. I could then send messages out. Hmm? What are you doing? And then, and so then you guys just went back, back to Well, the uh, not, well, we were there for quite a while unloading the uh, ship. Yeah, it with was, what, um, artillery or? Oh no, it was, oh no, it was fertilizer from, from South America. See, that's, I, went, I picked it up, the ship came through Panama and they'd already loaded it with, with all the fertilizer and for the, for the French. This is a recovery after the war to get yeah. things going. Yeah. Well, anyway, so we're tied up and they're unloading the, the uh, fertilizer. fertilizer. I stayed. I stayed with the ship. We did, we did get the radio fixed, and I didn't know what they were going to do anyway. But they said, "Okay, now we can go back to sea again." <laughs> And when we go back to the States. So we left out and it was it was kind of fun. The first message I get, I sent a message to one of the English uh, harbors and they didn't like me because I was, I was, my signal was as strong as I can get, you know. And, and they were probably within a hundred, a mile at the most. And they were going to call the American, you know, to shut, the, shut your radio down. <laughs> oh, because you were coming in way too loud? Yeah, well, way too loud. I mean, they, they'd be, they, they, couldn't, uh, they couldn't operate. Which, of course, is in response to not having any signal at all. Uh, you were like, well, I did. No, we had a signal then. Okay. Yeah, but they you were hadn't doing. had, yeah. So we ended from France over to... One of the English harbors, because they wanted to um, 
load it with the... Uh, you took back shad or something? I took back some sort of... Uh, stuff that they took from the harbor. Uh, they wanted, they needed to get something to hold ballast. the ballast down. Oh, okay. So we spent about two weeks, or maybe well, at least a week, probably two, getting that loaded up for that, which we did. Yeah. And then we headed off for the States. To New York? or uh... Yeah, to New York. Well, um, just to make it to we had several, a couple of storms, storms, but they were not bad. We did, we lost the, uh, the, uh, they had a, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it, yeah, yeah. Stabilizing sail. Well, it was uh, no, it was. Let's let's forget it. Yeah. Forget it. Yeah. But it wasn't something with the communication. It didn't. No, no. Yeah. In fact, I I didn't have too any. I, well, I had very little communication going over, but uh, and I didn't. We didn't need it. But uh, I finally, before I got over there, though, I sent a message to the U.S. ground radio stations, and I was able to get it. In fact, it was one one in Maine that had it, and uh, told them when we were coming in, and all that. Were you, was it uh, all, was it Morse code that you communicate with? Oh, yeah. Was it, so it was all yeah. Morse code? Yeah, and I had it, and the, the equipment was working. So, yeah, I could use it, and I told them we'd be coming in. Into which harbor, though? New you? York. We were supposed to come into New, New, New York. York. But? This, this, is, this is a but, hell of a time, I'll tell you. So, anyway, fine, I got the message out. We came into New York. We tied up right around near the the uh, statue, statue, you know, out there. We were anchored. The captain and the uh, purser went in town. They came back to the ship, and the purser came up the ladder, and he said, "You better go lock yourself up in the room." <laughs> anyway, so anyway, I went up to my room and locked it. <laughs> For what reason? Well, I'll tell you. We got on and we said, we're, we're not going to stay here. We're going to go down overnight down to... Um, Baltimore. Baltimore, overnight. And we did, and they, they came in and they said, we weren't supposed to come into New York. Well, they didn't know it and I didn't know it either. But uh, we finally found out when we get into... Baltimore. Baltimore. They came out and uh, pointed out that uh, that day that we came into New York, I think all of us, all the ships, were not supposed to have come in. Well, what happened? Yeah, what was it, it, it never. It didn't get to the ships right. Oh, it was just a mess. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't your fault. So it wasn't my fault. That in fact, they came up and they said, "Yeah, it's not your fault." <laughs> but, oh, you know. You just had a bad, it was just a bad oh, trip all around. And it, was, radio it was awful. 
Well. Well, so what, in general, though, outside of that experience, what was, like, you know, I think for our generation, we don't, we have a different uh, understanding of war, but you guys have mm -hmm. talked about how that war in particular was uh, everyone's involvement as a country. Oh, yeah. so Of course, actually, you know, so when patriotic. I, yeah. the, the trip of ours going over to, to Europe, the war was over. Uh, we, we still had the military over there, but uh, that was it. Well, how about during, and Granny, maybe you can touch mm -hmm. on that too. How about during the war, years back, during mm -hmm. the war, I mean, what was, what was the country well, like? Well, see, I'm four years younger than Grampy, so I, um, I was 10, 11, anyway. but um, it was... Uh, I had a cousin that was in the Navy, and he was on a submarine in the, on the Western Front. And uh, um, in fact, it was one of the most famous submarines during World mm. War II. It was the USS Tang. It had been very successful. And um, um, their last torpedo came around and sunk them. Um, their own torpedo. Their own torpedo came around and sunk them. and. Um, um, caused a fire within the torpedo and it went down but they were, they were still alive when it went down and uh, nine of them escaped and I can't remember the youth think the term for what they used to get out of the to escape a submarine while it's submerged there's some some mm. there's something that they can put on and nine of them did that and got out including the captain but my cousin did not but um, I just mentioned that, that, so my family was involved. I mean, that was very tragic. And then my uncle was a colonel in the army, and uh, he was over and uh, went into um, Normandy 10 days after D-Day, and uh, um, he was killed almost instantly. Um, he had been in the National Guard in Maine, and he was 38 years old and um, he was drafted. And this is just before the end of the, well, well no, it's D-Day time, so 40, 1944. Um, so we were, we were very close to what was going on, and even as a 10 and 11 year old, I was aware of the, all the hazards and so forth. And uh, my father had been in World War One, and um, uh, anyway, patriotism was a way of life and everybody was participating in some something either. I can see my grandfather now. <clears throat> he saved um, tinfoil because they from his tobacco packs, and he had a ball like this. He brought pound it and make make it into a ball, and uh, then that went to the war services. I mean, they, the, we, the tin like that was that was tinfoil value. Yeah. Yeah, oh yes, it was used for everything. Um, uh, was military. And um, um, it, it, uh, then I can't be sure what years. I was in junior high school and um, we, we were living in, Port, in Portland in the wintertime and out 12 miles out in the country um, in the summer and some winter. I can't really remember that. 
However, um, we were asked to house three military personnel from the Coast Artillery um, all up and down the coast of Maine, and I don't know where else. They had observation towers that were about 50 feet up, and uh, they they staffed them, or you know, 24 hours a day with with um, soldiers um, from from the Coast Artillery, and we were asked to have them in our house. And they, my mother, they converted our living room to to a <laughs> barracks. <laughs> we had three bunks in there, and um, there were three. Uh, uh, privates in the army living with us, uh, and the, the the post wasn't on our property; uh, it was on a hill nearby, so they had to walk a distance. But but they lived with us; they had meals with us. My mother did the laundry. It was it, uh, and some of them, the stems are still in Maine. One of them married yeah. a girl there, yeah. Okay, yeah. But um, the um, it was very exciting for me. I mean, I eleven years old, and, and the jeep would come up once a week with a sergeant. And actually, his sergeant was Sergeant Titcomb, which is no relation, really? yeah, no related uh, that we know. But mm. um, I mean, I didn't know anything about Ralph at that time. Um, but they came out of a base in South Portland and came out to check on the, the guys at the house. Um, it was, it, that part of it was interesting. I mean, two of them were from New Mexico, and that seemed like Mm, you know, miles away. It was a whole different type of person, but they were great. Was that controversial at all to house soldiers, even no. voluntarily? No, it, it was very. Um, you felt you felt good about it. You were doing something. Everybody was tr doing something. It was um, you were trying to help. But, uh, I remember um, um, they used to come out. Somebody um, bust workers in from this town that I was in 12 miles out of Portland, they bust workers in to work in the shipyards in Portland. Um, don't know much about that. I just can remember them going by the house and they always were noisy and, you know, and they were having a good time. <clears throat> but in relation to like Vietnam, which you also lived through, yeah. um, there's, you know, big difference. Oh, right? very there's big no. difference, yeah. There was, um, there was, I mean, obviously it was just as devastating as a war in terms of, I mean, if you count body count, it was just as it, devastating, but... It was, that but was terrible, that was not, but they didn't have the support. I, yeah. See, that's a political situation that I was too young to be aware of. I just, um, I don't know, I, I, I just remember um, everybody, well, and trying to get the news then is so different. They went to the movies to see the, the newsreel and, and listen to the radio. Yeah. It, uh, we had a, a, a bench that, that we sat on, almost like the front of that bench, um, in front of the radio to, to listen to the, the war news, the news. It was... Uh, um, so, okay. Do you know, want to check who it is here? I, oh, it's off now. Uh, I don't mm. know. Um, it, uh, yeah. What else? So it, things we couldn't get things. We had ration books. Um, I still have them. Uh, um, I can remember getting very angry with my father because I wanted cheese, <laughs> and you were limited to you mm. know you could get so much butter, so much cheese. You had coupons to get those and gas.
um, we had an um, old tractor, so he got extra gas for that, so we could, we had a big garden, but um, the rationing was an experience. Um, was, was that ever difficult as far as not getting what you needed to, to live? Not, no, not a, we, no, never suffered, let's put it that okay. way. Inconvenience, right, you know, right. annoyance, yeah. um, um, but we certainly had everything we needed. Um, but um, you were aware that things were different, very different. Um, I remember the, uh, um, everybody did a lot of sewing for their, their clothing and so forth, and you couldn't get the fabrics. And they started making um, grain bags with fabric that could be used. And so we, I remember having skirts that I made out of grain bag fabric. <laughs> uh, which of course sounds awful now, but they made some pretty prints, and that was it's okay. Um, um, you didn't travel a lot because you didn't have gas enough to do much stuff. Uh, yeah. Not that anyone would ever wish a uh, moving more and more away from war, but not that anyone would ever wish a war on on any society, no. but ever. But do you see, you know, like that? the positive from that being the unity that uh, oh. the country can, can achieve around oh, that movement. I wish you all would experience that. Right. I mean, that's um, a good feeling, you know. Um, everybody's your friend, and uh, um, you're making do with less, and, and uh, I never considered it a hardship. It was annoyance. It, uh, you know, if your brother's gone, my brother was in the Navy, he was on a minesweeper and, um, over in the Pacific. Um, and that part was hard, and the communications are, were so different from what you have now. It would be very hard for you to, to under comprehend what it was like. Um, that you'd write a letter, and uh, when, <laughs> you know, when and if they'd ever get it, and then for them to send anything out during the active part of the war it was unheard of. Yeah. yeah, I've never, like, is that, was that a common thing too? Like, people, I mean, I can't imagine how hard it'd be to deliver letters to the yeah, they, that was they one. often just not get there? I, I don't know what happened. I, now, they showed in the movie last night that we saw World War I, um, they did show a truck, an army truck with bags of mail coming, and of course, they were very, very excited over that. Um, but during World War II, I don't really know. I was too young to, you know, put a picture into that. But I do know that um, we never heard from them. Of course, you didn't, they never telephoned. That was, um, never heard any from, like, my brother. Um, no. All right. Now, uh, I don't, do you have any more work? No. So, do you want? To do you have any? Ref just more in terms of our generation versus your generation. And oh. Do you have? Well, I mean, like words of wisdom. I mean, you yeah. guys have a huge family. Mm. Mm. Um, I don't know if you can touch upon a your your large family and mm -hmm. watching. You have so many people to that you're close to because of your big family, mm. and you mm. can see kind of how different parts of, of that have developed in different ways. But as you look over all of that, mm -hmm. and then you look over your own life, 
you know, can you can you talk about any like differences in um, in how society was then versus mm -hmm. now? And I don't know. That was kind of a jumbled question. Really. Well, I understand what you're trying to say, and I'm trying to think of how to respond. But uh, I'm thinking that maybe why I really like to keep our family close. Um, I, I keep tabs on you. I like to know what and where you are and all that sort of thing. But um, I, I think it's so important. Um, the um, I, it bothers me that you would think today with your communications, your phones, and everything, that there would be a um, more warmth in your um, general. Um, I don't know how to say it, but mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's like I think, you think we'd be more connected with people because of there you go. Have, but yeah, it's kind of the opposite sometimes. And isn't that isn't that a hard to understand yeah. when when you have more means of doing it than uh, um, yeah? I know my mother started me off with um, having pen pals, um, wanting me to have a better understanding of someone who lives someplace else. And I had a, a pen pal in the uh, uh, Japanese internment camp in California. Yeah. And I had one in Scotland and one in Australia. And we, heavens knows what I wrote as a, I don't know, a 12, 13 year old, what kind of a letter I wrote. But we, we corresponded back and forth and um, at least got a little bit of understanding about another part of the world or what was happening. Um, How did you get one in the internment camp? Was I, it a girl your age or a guy your age? I don't know how she did that, but it, there must have been, um, must have been something in the newspaper that, that suggested it or something. I, we had no inner connections to anything, but um, uh, it was, yeah. I'm not sure if I still have the letters. I know I gave one away to a collector of the postage stamp because he was very interested in a stamp from the internment camp. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Do you have, um, so you've got two generations of people below you now and soon to be three. Yeah. Exciting. Do you have... Do you have like, uh, well, do you have some advice for your Who's kids? Kidding? Is there someone? Yeah, Sophie's pregnant. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 She'll be in the Air Force yeah. around uh, Jason's wedding. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Do you have advice first for, you can do it in stages, for your kids? Um, and maybe you can both take a stab at it, see if you have anything smart to say, Grampy. Um, but advice for, <laughs> advice for your kids. Advice for your grandkids, and then advice for what would be advice for them. Oh wow! And it might be the same, might be different, but if you could advice for yeah. your kids, yeah. you know, I know they're way older now. Um, what you mean, yeah. advice for them as far as anything, know, like anything, wisdom, you know? Yeah. Oh, it could be blunt. It could be long. Yeah. yeah. You know, when I was in high school, which was during the war, uh, we had to. We went in and went every, once a week, we went into the, um, what used to be the, old, what do you call them, the army. Uh, they, 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 they went off to the war. The local people in charge. 
Oh, you don't. You didn't have it down there, but we had it. We had. We had. We had guns. This has been when we were in high school. Oh, that was a, um, a civilian, not cadet corps, but you were in something. Yeah, that uh, was. We had civilian. Yeah, I know. It was early training, local. Yes, uh, it was involvement. He was, yeah. he grew up on the border, Canada. Okay. And they. Um, yeah. They did. They played a trick on them. Um, or I guess it was a strategy. Should they come and invade your roads, you had a way you were going to stop the cars. Yeah, we did. We we set up a. I mean, this was. We set up a place where we took. A, what's the what were the a rope a cable? The, well, a cable that they had, and we took it down. It was down at the bottom of a hill, and there was a. This is Route One, Maine. Yeah. And uh, so we went up and lined it up so that. If if the Germans were coming in, had come in, our job was to go out and straight stuff at across an angle the road on the road, so that if they come down the hill, they're going to hit that, and we're going to shove them into the into, into the river. That was it's like cartoons. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Which, yeah. which we did some of that. But. Another thing that happened up there that I just have only heard was that um, before America got into the war. Oh yeah. Um, there was an airport in Holton. Right in our town, right? But they, airplanes could not fly into Canada. They'd land in Holton. But and then the they'd, wheel, they'd wheel them off the border, and then the Canadians would take it. And assemble them. And this was before we were not in the war yet, but Roosevelt was trying to, to get say, equipment over to Europe. And so, so they'd fly them into Holton. And then they pulled them with tractors across the border, and then the the, the Canadians took them. So it was, you know, Roosevelt and Churchill worked oh, together well, I before think I they. Heard that on the radio. Yeah, the, yeah. They weren't. Roosevelt didn't want to send them. Right. Uh, he didn't have permission to send yeah. uh, equipment over to Europe yet. Yeah. And so, but he started in prior to that by we, little means like. Tractors pulling planes across the border. We had quite an air base at, at Holton at the airport there, and uh, in fact, I've seen, I've done a lot there at that. In there, Where, and we also used it for uh, German. Can, I can I, You housed German prisoners of war. Prisoners there. of war, yeah, in Holton. And used them on the farms for on the labor. Farm. And then also went to some of those. Their, their uh, dances. That <laughs> had a good time. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> that was funny. No, they were very nice. Yeah. They enjoyed them. Yeah. Yeah. Probably, probably happy. Oh, they were very peaceful. happy. We yeah. we had them on our farm. Uh, German um, prisoners of war. Yeah, and they came in and worked, and they, every night went back to the, the airport. <laughs> well, getting back to a question I wanted to ask earlier, but like yeah. Grampy for you, and then I'll ask you, Grampy. Mm. You wrote that whole book, right? About what? your life. You wrote that book about your life. Yeah. And I'm not done with it yet, but but I didn't. It's it's really interesting because it tells you know this story that I think I mean a lot of people can hardly even relate to because times are so different. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, which is which is what's fascinating about it. That's what's neat, but. 
But what's missing, and what I'd like to hear from you, is having written all that and, and, and reading it and understanding that, what, what could you, from all that great experience, what could you tell your kids, like I said? I, well, I I try to show what we did then, how how we lived, everything through the depression is, was what you you had to through that and and you did it oh and it, and it comes through really well, but yeah. looking back on your life, is there is there some is there something you could tell? I mean, just you know, like words mm -hmm. of advice that you could give. I don't think so. Uh, Come on. Well, it's we were in a horrible, horrible, uh, you know, depression at that time. Uh, that was he was born in 1927. So early 30s is what he's remembering as far as yeah. the depression goes and the lack of, of right. mm. everything. Um, and um. Well, when, <coughs> doesn't it ever bother you when you hear people complain nowadays? <laughs> no, I mean really. Like, oh, you I, mean oh? Yeah. Like I mean just about. Oh, well, well, we so, complained. They they complained back to it. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I think what what but with that hindsight, with knowing what you went through. I mean, my life is a lot mm -hmm. different than your life. I didn't. I. I mean, I could complain about anything I want, but I don't really have any. Uh, I didn't really go through a hard. I haven't gone through a real hard time yet. Mm -hmm. But you still hear me complain, or you'll still hear people in my generation complain. I guess what I'm wondering is, you know, having gone through what you went through, not to say that it was all bad at all, mm -hmm. but like. Well, it wasn't what, too good. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, what what oh. learned advice can you pass on to? to everybody else who's hopefully got as long to live as you have. <laughs> well, there wasn't a hell of a lot that we couldn't do, that they, what that we had right there to do with it. Um, well, yeah, I, I think um, he really wanted you to see the picture of how you could live with less. And I think now I, I, that what bothers me a lot is the waste of our society now, the carelessness of, of um, caring for the universe, if you want to be general and big, but um, uh, we were very, very sensitive about um, waste. You didn't. Um, there's so much trash now, so uh, unnecessary. Um, <laughs> Someone just came in today saying they had been, um, I guess they were out in Chicago, and they had to pay seven cents for a bag that they're trying to get this through that uh, the use, the overuse of packaging materials that we have today, for example, is one area of such waste. And uh, if people have to pay for it, maybe it will cut down. But I would, I, I, we are wasteful, totally. Um, and caring for plants and animals and the environment. It's, um, the awareness of it is, we have the abilities for the awareness to certainly be there, but I don't know as we all listen. Um, how do you think that gets missed? You know, the necessity for that, like how does that get 
seems like sometimes. The busyness of today's world and, and the home life is so busy now and people working so many, um, running, running to this and that and I don't know, a simpler life. Hmm. Well, that, so I mean, I don't mean to, not that it was, I had thought of it before, but I kind of did like that idea of, of, you know, if you could break it down by generation, even mm. though the advice I think would, would generally yeah. be the same, but could you think of something like that you'd say to your kids for, you know, a, a perspective that you could give them? And then what would you say to your grandkids? You know what I mean? I, I wish I, I, I wish I was a person of words and I'm not, and I yeah, never have been, but I, um, I guess it's appreciation for what we have um, and uh, um, caring for it. I, I, not material things as much as the natural things. It's, uh, we have a beautiful natural world, but it, it needs our attention. Take it too, we're too careless with so much. Um, we have so much. Um, a simpler life. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Just slowing everything down? Yeah, but uh, certainly I, I do worry about this, not your generation, but the, well, you're younger, I'm thinking of the um, younger kids and all of their electronics and the constant, constant game playing and all of that. Where's that going? It's a I distortion sort of, of the mind as far as I'm concerned. It, it just it's not realistic. It's not the real world. And maybe it's because I'm not technically um, talented or have an interest in it. But I, I just am missing so much to me as far as I'm concerned. And, and um, I think so much has changed from what we had then. We don't have it anymore. I mean, there were things that we had. We, like, had, we had, there were local orchestras. And we had uh, houses, or they had, uh, we had uh, uh, Saturday nights, they had uh, an the, orchestra. The Grange Hall. Yeah, the, the, Grange, Grange. the Grange Hall, or another one. <clears throat> More community-oriented. Yeah. Just out of necessity, if you wanted to be social, it meant being social right. with your neighbors. Right, and there was, a, there was a lot of that, I can we had it all over the place. Well, you supported each other that way. Yeah. The, uh, um, yeah, because I feel like people are really like, they try and nowadays we wear our emotions on our, what's this, on our cuffs or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, like we, we try and be very, I think that's like a mantra is that people are, are looking to prove that they can show their emotion yeah. or share mm -hmm. their emotion. And, and it sounds like, you know, maybe more so with you guys. I mean, I feel like you're a little bit, your generation can maybe be a little bit colder in terms of showing a lot of emotion. But in, I wouldn't use cold, I'd use reserved. Sure, yeah, yeah. reserved. Mm -hmm. yeah. But in contrast, mm -hmm. what's interesting is it's not, I mean, I, I'm, I'm saying about my generation, I think it's, it's, it's a little bit fake, you know, it can be fake. Mm -hmm. Whereas with you guys, you were... You, you had a real thing of your neighbors were people that you had to rely on and therefore mm -hmm. you socialized mm -hmm. and I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say, but you know what I mean? Yeah, that, that, yeah. yeah maybe you're more reserved about, about your emotions than mm -hmm. people are today. But what, you know, what's, 
<laughs> I don't know, but I, I family stayed closer, I think, than um, now. Um, well, the, the telephone up in there, when we were there, we were up in the phone and you, you... Oh, party line. <laughs> party I know. Was a, it, uh, oh, jeez. <laughs> we had a lot with the phone, Lord Frost, uh, I grew up with, and we used to, we used to like to see. It was all done on party lines. So you could listen you, in to you other people. You, isn't, you don't pick up and just dial the number. How many were on your? You just part? lift it up, and then you try to, try to ring out for someone coming on. So, and all you had to do is. We probably had about 20 families that were using one phone number that we... One line. Yeah. And, oh we had the crank phone, so everybody had a different crank. My, my crank was 22, too long and too short. Yeah. But, but you could listen in to other people on the line. Um, just, yeah, oh yeah, we just did a ball. Up. And I remember he said something about one neighbor had canaries, yes. so they could tell when she was listening on the line because they heard the canaries. We could hear, we could hear her canaries. We'd tell her to shut them up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she'd slam the, the, the phone down. Well, but I guess that's like, that's why I have such a, I'm really bad at articulating what I want to try and get out of it. But like, even that experience of like, mm. you're, you're sharing this party line, which to us, I mean, I can't imagine anybody, mm -hmm. you know, standing for something yeah. like that. I mean, yeah. we share a lot of stuff in a different way with mm -hmm. all our social media. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we're, you know, we try and have this, it's almost like a facade of here's everything about my life. Mm -hmm. But in a really real way, if you wanted to communicate something serious, yeah. it might be over a party line. Or, yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, what we did, too, over the party line is, is, let's say a house gets on fire or a burn gets on fire and you just open the phone up and then just ring and you get the phone so everybody knows something's gone wrong huh. so then they, then they give them the news there's a fire when, everybody got goes. a fire down at jake's uh, a house down there and everybody goes yeah. to help yeah they sure did oh god <laughs> oh gee it was a great world <laughs> Yeah, I did work at the Army Hospital down in um, Maryland when Ralph was in the Army. That was the Korean War. No, yeah, Korean yeah. War. And uh, um, we had a lot of Korean War brides. I was working in maternity. We had a lot of Korean War brides oh, come in and uh, have their babies at the Army Hospital. Uh, it was fun and interesting to meet them. And, yeah. <laughs> these, are, these are brides, the Koreans, that came yeah, back with... They married, yeah. And their husbands were... Stationed at uh, and, Fort and so, Lee. And then oh, they, when okay. they came back, they, they, their wives all had babies. Yeah. And that's, Nancy was at the hospital, mm -hmm. and uh, all these babies coming out. And that, you, what was your... What were you trying to say about that, though? It's just interesting in general. Or well, it was it was an experience, and uh, I saw our uh, army doctors who had been drafted into the army, and they were not happy to leave their practice 
and be put into the army and then... Um, and they were doing some cases that they're not really qualified. Well, right. I, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it was just another touch of a war that my... That was great. Any final, any final words? No, there's so much. That's, I know, there's so yeah. much. It's so hard. Yeah. But you guys, that was, yeah. that's, I mean, that's what's important, though, is just getting yeah. some of it down. I think, yeah. I, you know, we appreciate that. Well, we remember the wonderful celebration at the end of the war. The, it was in Portland and how the whole city turned out, and it was just wonderful. It was exciting. Hmm. You know, I, I think the, the, now, when you see footage of the war, you know what's going to end. You know what happened. But living through when we didn't know, mm. it was a very uncertain feeling. So um, families were close, stayed close, and did what they could. Most everybody found something that was uh, helpful to support the war. A big part of pursuing an episode like this was for Payson to capture a small segment of Ralph and Nancy's life for archival purposes and a way to share it with the rest of their family. Blindside is a Sandwich Community TV podcast. Subscribe to us on your favorite platform or visit us directly at www.sandwichcommunitytv.org so you can stay up to date with all the newest content. Thanks for listening.